you have your Bibles this morning, our scripture reading this morning is going to come from the book of Matthew, chapter 7. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, uh, that's where our scripture reading will be at in just a little while. As you're turning to the book of Matthew chapter 7, Chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. I've always liked to study the scripture before and after what we're going to read to you. So preceding chapter 7, chapter 7 is the end of Jesus beginning his the Beatitudes. Now in the Beatitudes, you don't have to turn back to the 5th chapter, but in the very beginning of the 5th chapter of Jesus, as he begins uh, his Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, he talks about the need for inner strength, peace, and contentment in your, in your life. Here is that there is a strong need today that the inward man be strengthened, renewed, and healed. But as you go through chapters 5 and you go through chapter 6, you start asking yourself, how is that possible? How is it possible to have these attributes? How is it possible to live this kind of a life? How are these things possible? And of course, we get into chapter 5 and chapter 6 and we read that, but I want to skip on over to the 7th chapter. And I want to skip down to the very end of the 7th chapter. And I want to read one verse. This morning as you're reading in the 29th verse, I want you to think about the ultimate authority. Now there's a lot of people today that think they're in charge. I'm thankful today to be a part of a church that the ultimate authority is not in a person or a group of people. Folks, the ultimate authority is in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that one more time. The ultimate authority is in Jesus Christ. He doesn't need authority or any kind of a, a approval from somebody else. Listen to the 29th verse. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's go back now and let's read beginning in the 21st verse of the 7th chapter. Of Matthew. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, again, Lord, Lord, that again, the phrase comes up a second time. Have we not prophesied in thy name? Listen to what the people are saying. Have we not did the religious things? Have we not said the right things? What we're going to see this morning in the scripture is, is that it's not about what comes out of your mouth. It's about what comes out of your heart. The world today is telling you that religion is what you say and salvation is in what you say. But folks, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the authority by teaching us that it all happens by what comes out of your heart. That's what the Sermon on the Mount and the beginning of the Beatitudes was about. Was about an inner peace and an inner strength and an inner knowledge that we stand in need of. And Jesus tells them that, he said, there's many that's going to say, 
Well, have we not prophesied? Look at the religious things that we have done. Let's keep reading. Said, uh, many will say in that day, we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Do you know what kills works, the idea of works? Is the very idea that we think that our works is better than the works of Jesus Christ, for they're not. Let's, let's read what he said. He said, we've done all these, these wonderful works. Folks, works outside of Jesus Christ are useless. Let's keep reading. He said, and then I will profess unto them. They've done all the good deeds. They've done the religious things. They've prophesied. They've, they, they, they've done good. And they've done all, all these wonderful works. He said, I never knew you. Depart from ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, Notice the comparison that's going to happen. There's comparisons throughout this entire Sermon on the Mount. And here in the book of Matthew chapter 7, particularly where we're at today, there's all these comparisons about which category are you? Folks, you're in one of two categories this morning. You're either headed for heaven or you're headed for hell. I'm not trying to, uh, to mince words and I'm not trying to, uh, to intimidate anybody. The truth of the matter is, if you die today, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You're not going to an in-between purgatory or you're not going to change your status. You may even think about these innocent children being raised up. If God has not held them accountable and if they were to leave this world, they're going to heaven. The truth is today, when you leave today, if you were to leave this world today, you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. And Jesus said, let's compare the two. He said in the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, he talked about how that there's a straight gate and uh, how there's few being there finding. There's a broad way and many go in there. There's two choices. And then we talk about the tree that bears forth fruit and the growth in our life. And now he's going to talk about the foundations in their life. And you know what? I'm not here today to tell you what kind of foundation you have. What I am here to tell you is you fall in one of two categories. When the judgment of God comes, you're either going to withstand it or you're going to fail. And folks, anybody that does not pass the test of the judgment of God, the eternal punishment of that is hell. That's exactly what's going to happen. For those that pass the test, they get to go to heaven. But let's keep reading this scripture. Therefore, he that is saying of mine and doeth them, I will be like a wise man and which has built his house upon the rock. Here's what happens to these people. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. By the way, if you'll read the 27th verse, the other person... The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. People face the exact same things in life. But the outcome is totally different. Science will tell you this. That if you have the exact same environment, you have the exact same uh, experiment that goes on, then the result is going to be the same. Here's the, the difference in that. Folks, you either got Jesus or you don't have Jesus, and that is the difference in the equation. If you have Jesus, you can withstand. This is what happened. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat upon the house. And it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. We're going to get into this in a minute about the depth and the meaning of having something that you are anchored in that is not seen by man. Folks, 
You have a soul inside of you that is not seen by men. If you're talking about works and you're talking about just doing good deeds in your life, prophesying and, and, and doing all these wonderful works, these are like building a fancy house, but they don't have a good foundation that you can't see. Let's keep reading the scripture. <coughs> and everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them shall and doeth them not shall be like unto the foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. First verse talks about how it fell not. Excuse me, the 25th verse to you. 27th verse talks about how it fell. Folks, you're either going to get into heaven or you're not going to get into heaven. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to hell. And I want you to notice the difference in the two areas that we're talking about. Again, the, the comparison all throughout Matthew chapter 7. There's two trees, there's two kinds of fruits and, and, and what's happening here and how that, that, that once we have faith that, that we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to bring forth fruit but then there's going to come a time later in our life that we're ultimately going to get to a judgment. You know what? People are very uncomfortable talking about dying. It's almost as if we don't talk about it. It's not going to happen, folks. It is appointed that a man wants to die. And if God sees fit to call you today, where are you going to spend eternity? The ultimate authority is Jesus. Folks, there's a million people on top of a million people that tell you that you've done the right things and you're going to heaven, folks. If you have not been spoken to by the Holy Spirit of God, you need to be in an altar seeking after Christ. For no man can tell you that you are okay. No man can tell you that you are going to heaven. Jesus is the ultimate authority. You know, my fear is people are going to go to heaven and say, well, they said I did the right things or they said I've, I've, I've accomplished all these things in life. Then I should go to heaven, folks. There's only one criteria. There's only one ultimate authority and that is Jesus. Folks, have you had that experience in your life where Jesus begins to speak these things? The judgment comes and all these things begin to happen. We worry about the, the, the popularity of things. We, we worry about how, how others are going to view it. And we'll ask people, well, do you like this color car or this color car? Do you like my hair that looks like this or like that? I don't ask that question, but people may ask that. People may say, well, should I paint the walls this or that? And we want the opinion of other people. And you know what? Those are fine. But when it comes to your soul, folks, the ultimate authority is Jesus. Have you been approved by God? And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. There's only one work that God has approved and that is the work that Jesus did on the cross. God's approved it. Any other work is not going to be sufficient enough. And we see here that it's important that, that, that we become obedient, that we become submissive. And you know what? When you start reading in these scriptures here that the words out of your mouth are not near as important or not near as necessary as you might see today as it is being obedient. If religious works was going to get us to heaven, folks, uh, we wouldn't need Jesus, would we? We could just have the commands of God and the laws of God and just say, okay, let's just try to do good. Folks, the laws just show us our shortcomings and the need for Jesus in our life. You know, this feel-good religion that goes around today and you know what? People say, well, we're, we all do wrong and God just loves us and I always agree with that. I'm not going to disagree with that, but I will say this. There's also a point that God reminds us that we need Jesus, folks. And if we've not uh, surrendered our heart unto Him and we've not repented and turned from where we are, then we are like the wise men that built our house upon the sand. The winds came and the, the storms begin to come and it says all of a sudden it failed. 
people are going to fail, not just in life. You know, if, if you fail in life, you can go back and do it again. You know, that, that, that's what they do in science. A lot of times they test the theory, and if it fails, they try it again. And they keep trying things, folks. If you die and you fail the test of judgment, you're not going to come back to earth and try to get this right the second time. Folks, you get one pass through life. One. And there's one ultimate authority that can tell you what kind of foundation you have. And never will it be a person that can say, well, this, 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 and this. Folks, Jesus said in the 29th verse, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. James teaches us that we are not only to be hearers of the word, doers also. If God is speaking to your heart, what are you doing about it? That's the next question. Do we just want to go and ask somebody, say, what does it mean if God's speaking? I can tell you this. I don't have to ask you if God's speaking to you in your life. I know that God speaks to you. He draws sinners to repentance. I believe in that. I believe that God speaks to the hearts of His children to teach them His will and His purpose for them and for Him in their life. God knows these things. God is speaking, but are we listening? That's, a, that's probably a deeper question. The ultimate authority comes from Christ when he talks about how that, that, that he desired uh, that, that he desired that they would have a true foundation. In both of these scriptures, in the 25th and the 27th verse, well, the 24th, I guess you would say, and even the 26th verse, both men had a desire to build a house. They wanted something long term. People today, outside of people that don't believe that there's no existence after death, the atheists, outside of that, people want a home. I'll even go as far as to say there's a great number of people that want a heavenly home. But the difference is, it's not about what does their house look like, it's about what kind of foundation do they have that's not seen. Folks, inside of every one of us is something not seen. You can come to church. You can wear the right clothes. You can go do the good deeds in the community. You can prophesy in His name. You can do all these wonderful, marvelous works. But He said it's not about your deeds that you're doing. He said it's about those that have the true, proper foundation. Luke in the 6th chapter, the 48th verse, even words like this. Dig that's the word that he uses in Luke 6 and 48. Folks, when God saved my soul, I don't know how deep the soul of a man is, but I'll tell you this, there's not a surgeon out there that could get in there. There's not a robot that can perform a procedure that can find and get into the soul of man, but a God that can take the universe and hold it in His hand could get in the most deepest, darkest remote place of a man. And God can speak peace. Man cannot get in this place. Only God can. Your soul is reserved for God. Does your soul have God in it? Do you have a foundation where God dig deep? Folks, that night, it was March the 18th. I still remember it just like it was yesterday that God began to dig deep inside of me. And you know what He did? He didn't change me on the outside. I told you before. I went to church that night. I had on a, a, a red Disney character tie. I had on a blue dinner, a blue shirt. And I had on khaki pants. You know what I left there in church that night in? I had on khaki pants, a blue shirt, and a red tie on. You know what? The outside did not change about me. But there was something deep down inside of me that changed. 
I was absolutely horrified that if I died, I knew that I was going to hell. I knew that I didn't have the right foundation. I knew that. That was not a question. That was not an assumption. I knew that I was going to hell. But you know what? When God saved my soul, nothing on the outside changed. But boy, something deep down inside of me did. This world today that wants to teach religion... I'm not against Sunday school. I'm not against uh, making disciples. But I'm telling you, the only disciples are those that's got to believe first. Then you can make disciples. But you got to believe. And here we talk about hey, that, that, that there was a, those that began to make a foundation. How do you test your faith? Did you ever get around people building houses? Some of you deal with that a little bit. You can probably know that one of the things that people like to do is What's everybody else do? What's holding up for everybody else? You know, we like this everybody else mentality. Folks, be careful. According to the earlier part of Matthew chapter 7, be careful of the everybody else. Where it says broad is the, is the gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the way. And you've got people just ushering you right on in. Go this way, go this way, go this way. All of a sudden, Jesus is drawing you to another way and you ask yourself, Why's everybody else doing it? This is the popular way. This is what everybody else is doing. So Jesus, I'm not going to go your way. I'm going to go the popular way, folks. Popularity is not what the measuring stick that you need in life. You need something that has a sure, deep foundation. Do you have something deep inside of you? It's a drawing, it's a, a, a speaking because he said there's going to be those, remember what I said twice there in the 21st and the 22nd verse there, both of them begin to say, Lord, Lord. I'm afraid there are a lot of people that are depending on their words to get to heaven. No, you repeat this or if you say this, then that must mean you're a saved person. Many was saying to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have we cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Not that we lost our acquaintance or we drifted away from you. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We have to look at our life and we have to ask ourselves, what comes up? Folks, when God saves your soul, He's going to change you. I want to tell you some of the changes that happened in me. I went to church. I didn't mind being around the people at church so much, but when the Lord really got to move in that place, I didn't like church very much. I liked church as long as it was kind of quiet or I don't want to say cold or stale, as long as it was kind of a stagnancy there. I, I didn't mind it. But folks, when God began to move, I didn't like church. Matter of fact, I just wanted to kind of ease out the back door and get my car and leave. Why did I not like church? Because I was around people that were a happy people. I was around people today that it didn't matter what they faced in life, they still could raise their hands and praise the Lord for His wonderful, His holy name and His kindness that He's given. And I could not understand how can you praise God in the life in which we live. And you know what? After I got saved, I understood a lot more. 
That through the darkest of hours and our foundation is sure and steadfast. That when we face these things in life, that God gives us a whole new perspective. And you know what happens here? We see that, that there are people today that, 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 that fruits begin to change. And all of a sudden the things in their life change. I went from not wanting to go to church to then I was like, I want to go to church. I didn't care about reading the Word. And, and all of a sudden the Lord saved my soul and I just want to know more about the Lord. You see today, do you have fruits in your life where something changed in you? I'm not telling you a person saved. What I'm saying is, if there's a change that transpired in you, what caused that change? I'm going to tell you something. I cannot, I'm going to word this a little bit more common to you. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Folks, it comes really down to it in the end. I cannot make you want to go to church. I cannot make you want to know more about the Lord. I cannot make you want to pray. I cannot make you want to sing. I cannot make you want to testify. But I'll tell you one that can. You know who has the ultimate authority to make you want to do those things? Oh, that third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Folks, the Holy Spirit of God can give you that desire to do that. People want to wonder, how do I know when I'm saved? Well, there's the fruits of the Spirit according to Galatians. Things just all of a sudden happen. You didn't have them before, but you have them afterwards. You get saved and all of a sudden you've got this desire inside of you. Paul said it like this. Paraphrasing, he said, you know the things I used to want to do? After his Damascus Road experience, he said, I don't want to do those things no more. He said, you know the things that I didn't want to do? He said, after my Damascus Road experience, he said, those are the things I want to do. March 18th. A day in my life where I can say, God, I know what Paul's talking about. There was something that changed inside of me. My foundation went from a house that was built by what people could see all of a sudden to one that was built. But it had a foundation. And notice what happens. It was a foundation that was built by God. For it says, And Jesus came and He taught them as one having authority. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees, they spoke from authority. Let me put this 2023 terms. I can stand up here and tell you on the authority of God's Word. Jesus is the only one, the only one that does not need validation in something else. Jesus does not need validation from another human being. Folks, He has been validated by God. He is the ultimate authority. You don't need anybody else to say, well, then you're going to heaven. And the other side of that is nobody else has to look at you and say, you are going to hell. He has the authority to convict. He, by the authority of the Holy Spirit of God, can draw you into an altar. He has that authority. I cannot say, God, convict this one. God convict that one. God, you're going to have to save this one. You've got to do that. Folks, Jesus is His own authority. He is that. And that's what He's talking about here in this uh, last verse that I'm reading to you of the 29th chapter that, 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 that they got to a place and a point that Jesus came teaching them. And, and the New Testament uses the word master and even the word rabbi comes up some, meaning he's, the, he's like a doctor. We kind of use it like a doctor of education. He was one that understood the Scripture. Remember how they marveled? Even at the age of 12, He was in the temple teaching. Jesus not just knew the Word, He was the Word. He's the Word. 
He knew all about it. He could teach you and I things about the Word because it's all about Him. It's who it was about. That's who it's for. That's who it's... It's guiding you and I to that place that we might have that understanding in His fullness. And here Jesus, it says, and He taught them. Matthew uses a a word in the Greek language that comes from a, a, a tense. And the word tense means something that is still ongoing. You know what I believe? That when you get that sure foundation, it's not like you get it and it's over with. It's something that's ongoing. Do you think when people die that their faith or that their relationship with Christ ended? Folks, there's people right now. Right now. In heaven. And they still have a relationship with Jesus. Folks, there's going to come a day you may get that call or that notification. Scott's left this world. He's gone. I want you to know that my body may have slumbered in death, but my relationship with Jesus is still true. I'm going home one of these days. I'm going to a place called heaven that no longer do I just get to to hear the voice of God, but I get to see Him. I get to see Him and experience heaven in the fullness of His presence. And I look forward to that. And Jesus is teaching here is that these people were, were going through an experience or a change in their life. They were going through an experience in their life that was going to change them eternally. Now you would think... King's Palace. That's where the nice road should be. You wouldn't think of an old dirt running up road would lead to a King's Palace, would you? You would think the Broadway. And I, you go to many political leaders of the world today, you go to where their throne is, the best roads probably in those communities are going to lead right up to that castle, right up to that kingdom. Jesus said, oh no. He said, popular path he said it's kind of different he said it's going to lead to destruction boy the people that would travel down this nice big uh, traveled highway and all of a sudden they get there and saying this is where it ends it ends in hell and these people are traveling down the highway saying God this doesn't make a lot of sense there's sure a lot of potholes there's a lot of hills there's a lot of valleys there's a lot of briars but God I trust you if you say heaven's at the end now I believe heaven's at the end you know what I believe today this world is not easy you know what I believe? I believe heaven is real today. I believe that there is a path that, that, that broad, wide is the gate and broad is the way, narrow is the gate and narrow is the way that, that leads to this everlasting life that we get to spend with Christ. But notice what's happening here. This seventh chapter, and then let's go back to the 28th verse. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, these people were astonished at his doctrine. What does amazement do to you? You're amazed. God, how do you speak to me like that? How can you talk to my heart in the way that you do? How do you speak to me? How do you respond? The, the, the true answer this morning is, don't just be amazed at the, at the presence of Christ. Be obedient to the presence of Christ. Folks, if Jesus is passing by today, and he's visiting you in your heart. What are you going to do about it? Oh, that's amazing. He can talk to me about things I didn't know anybody else knew about. He can talk to me in a way that nobody else has been able to talk to me. Are you going to be amazed? Or are you going to respond? What are you going to do with that still small voice? 
book of Exodus, I want to read you a verse in the 24th chapter, the 7th verse. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. That's what happens today when God's people want to be obedient in the healing. Let's go back to that 29th verse right quick. I want to move on along. He taught them. You see, Jesus' popularity grew. Matter of fact, it even grew to the point where there was multitudes that was just overflowing in places because the people were hungry for the truth and they found the truth in Jesus. Folks, today, that has not changed. You will find the truth in Jesus. Nowhere else and nothing else. He is the ultimate authority today. He is the one that you stand in need of. For it says, He taught them. You might think that what Jesus was teaching was popular. But you know what? Jesus taught against things that the, the, the Jews thought would be true. He healed on the Sabbath. You know what they're saying? Who is this man that's healing on the Sabbath? What they didn't understand is they had their laws and that Jesus broke the law. He's the ultimate authority, folks. He can do what He wants to do, what He wants to do, in whatever manner He wants to do it. He is the ultimate authority. But they question Him. How can this man go about healing on the Sabbath? They didn't realize that He was the Sabbath. It was all about Him. That rest was not in the day. Rest was going to be in a person. Do you know to whom we find rest in? You will not find rest in the world, but I assure you today, you can find rest in Jesus. But the world says that that's just not the way we've done these things. That's just not the way things happen. That's out of our, our norm. That's outside of our laws. That's outside of how we're governed. And Jesus is the ultimate authority. And they were astonished. And it says, and He taught them. He challenged them. Oh, did he challenge him? And you know what? He's always right. And I believe in that. It says he taught them as one having authority. Let me ask you something. If I was to tell you or to teach you something, but I wasn't very sure about what I was teaching you. In other words, the water in this water fountain might be good. If I tell you folks, if you get some water out of this water fountain, it's the best water you'll ever drink in your life. There's a surety in that. Folks, Jesus was not teaching something that was unsure or unsound. It was certain. If you ever go to a surgeon, you're probably going to want that surgeon to say, oh, I know beyond a shot of a doubt, I can take care of this. There's just something about dealing with someone with a surety, with certainty, one that has that, that authority to say these things. And He taught them as one having authority. Our society is trying to figure out which side is the right side. Which side is the side that we should be on? Folks, the answer to that is you need to be on Jesus' side. He's the ultimate authority. If He said it, then that's the side that you need to be on. Well, this group over here said this is the way it's supposed to be. Well, our society has changed now, so now this is the way it's supposed to be, folks. Jesus is the ultimate authority. I don't care what's popular. It doesn't matter to me what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter to me what the rich or the poor or the young or the old. We get these movements where this is what the young ones are doing. Y'all are just old-fashioned folks today. Jesus is the ultimate authority for all ages and all races and all places. He is the ultimate authority. It doesn't change amongst these other groups or subgroups we might call them. There's a change in that. He is the same for every single one. And it says He taught them as one having authority. I believe you need to know who it is that you talk about. 
so that you can teach and teach with authority. And I believe that Jesus did just that. I got to hurry and I'm going to skip on over it. And I'm not going to read all the 8th and the ninth chapter. But I'm going to give you some homework for you to do. Go home read Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9. Preacher, so what does Jesus have authority over? Well, if you go into chapter 8, very first verse, when he come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, here they were, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. You know what Jesus has authority over? Our Sunday school lesson talked about he has authority over healing and disease. You know what he has authority over? All manner of sickness. Again, read about these first, I don't know, three or four verses here. Talks about those that were outcasts in their societies or in their communities. Guess what? He has authority over them too. Skip down to about the 18th verse. Now when Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, he gave commandments to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus has control over those that want to follow him. Let me rephrase that a little bit different. Folks, Jesus needs to have authority over those that follow him. I'm going to take a side note for just a second. But our society is dangerously, dangerously forgetting about authority. I'm not going to get into that in this depth, but our society, it's fearful how much that we take authority and let it go. Folks, do not treat Jesus like He is not of authority. Folks, if Jesus says it, we must abide by it. There's no, there's no altering it. There's no changing it. Well, He's not in control anymore. Well, that really gets me when somebody looks at their parents or whatever and say, well, you're not in charge of me. I want to say, you know what? If you're, you're hung and you're of age and you're living in the house, you are under the authority or control of parents. That's another lesson. What I am saying is, is that Jesus had authority over those of his followers. He had control. Let me ask you this. Does he have control over your life? Skip down to about the, I don't know, 23rd verse. When he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Again, we see here that these, these miracles keep happening. And again, uh, the 28th chapter, excuse me, 28th verse of that same chapter, he, he has authority over these disasters that are happening over and over and over again. I believe that Jesus, again, read all of chapter 8, all of chapter 9. He has authority over sin. Jesus has authority to save. There is no authority in anybody else to condemn of sin. There is authority in nobody else to be able to, uh, uh, to forgive of that sin. Look at Matthew chapter 9. You can see beginning in about the ninth verse. Jesus passed forth from thence and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the seat of custom. And he said to him, follow me. He had, he definitely, I truly believe that he had authority and he said, follow after me. You can read again all throughout chapter 9 that Jesus has this ultimate authority. Skip down to, I don't know, again about the 18th verse. It says, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed them and so did his 
disciples. Folks, Jesus has authority over death. Can I say that one more time? Jesus has authority over death. Man, the word authority is a powerful word. Meaning they can do it. If he speaks to a dead soul to arise and give a new life, guess what's going to happen to a dead soul? You're going to be given new life. But you see, a soul that was dead in trespasses and in sin is not going to be made alive because I, Scott, speaking to you, it's going to be made alive again because Christ, through the Holy Spirit, speaks it to you. Today, do you have that born-again experience with Him? Again, keep reading throughout all of these scriptures and you can see that He said that all these things happened throughout that, that eighth of the ninth chapter. But there are so many people today that forget that He is the ultimate authority. Today, Jesus taught them. They marveled and were amazed at what He taught. But it's because He knew He was talking about. Folks, if Jesus is saying, come unto me, are you that are heavy laden, I will give you rest, He knows what He's talking about. He's not just telling you, we might say blowing smoke and just kind of creating this diversion. Folks, He's telling you what you need. Do you need that? Or maybe you're going to listen to somebody else. Folks, don't listen to any man. Listen to God. I'm finished this morning. I want us to get a song.